Let's talk about spirituality with children. Spirituality as parents. Spirituality as people of faith or complete atheists. Spirituality as a way to live a meaningful life or to connect with others. Spirituality as a gateway to our values and to enjoying life. What does spirituality look like with kids and how can we make it uber practical? In this week's episode, we're going to dive into all of that. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. Hi, thank you so much for tuning in. I know how busy you are. I see you with the laundry and the cooking and the work and the kids and all the things that are on your plate, the errands, the nonstop to-do lists, the very few hours of sleep at night and the gym perhaps being a far-off dream. I see you. I hold space for you. I am in the same boat as you and I want to congratulate you for showing up for yourself here today to think and learn and just expand your mind for something else because really my job here is just to provoke to poke uh, to poke your brain into some action into some perspective taking and some mindset shifts um, but it's you who's showing up and doing the work so thank you and I just want to acknowledge you for that if you're meeting me for the first time my name is Avital I'm a mindful parenting coach I'm a homeschooling mother of four who believes parents and children deserve to enjoy each other. Of course, there are going to be frustrations and hard times as well, but ultimately, I want you to enjoy this time raising your children. My videos on conscious parenting are designed to be inspirational and actionable and have been viewed millions of times, and I help intentional parents to reframe their mindset and find practical ways to love parenting, to parent from love, and to stay in love with their partners if they have one, even with little kids at home. Before we get into today's juicy, juicy topic of why religious people seem to be happier according to research and what we can take from that on our parenting journey with regards to spirituality, I just want to shout out Catherine Brown. Here's a listener spotlight. Thank you so much for your beautiful review. It really left me smiling from ear to ear. Catherine wrote, a friend who is in my head, but in a good way. Each time I listen to a new episode of The Parenting Junkie, I feel I have a friend who has heard my joys, concerns, doubts, wins, and day-to-day life of being a mother and is responding in a gentle, peaceful way with zero shame or judgment. This show somehow manages to blend parenting wisdom, practical advice, lots of parenting research with humor and playfulness and wraps it up in a beautiful package. Delivered to me each week to listen to. I love your delightful and unique voice and hearing about your precious family. Thank you for sharing. Your friend, we just haven't met yet in person. Catherine, thank you so much. What a beautiful review. And absolutely, I consider you my friend too. Now, if you're looking for the show notes or to leave me a comment on this particular episode, go over to theparentingjunkie.com forward slash 
35. This is episode number 35, and I love reading your comments there. So thank you so very much, and thank you to everyone leaving a review. And if you haven't checked out my website yet, I really encourage you to do so because there are endless resources there um, for free videos, blog posts, articles, links, all sorts of things, and a lot of free downloadable tools that can really help you on your parenting journey as well. And I just want to say thank you if you're sharing this out on Instagram as well. Tag me at Parenting Junkie. I love to see your stories. I love to see your selfies of where you're listening to this, of your thoughts. I love seeing all those multilingual uh, posts where people are translating my podcasts and takeaways in different languages. It's so cool to see this message spread across the earth. Thanks to you. So again, thank you so very much. You have my deepest gratitude. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that science um, research as as clearly as it can be and as watertight and evidence-based as it can be, seems to think that religious families are happier. And seeing as we are in the happiness market, we would like to experience joy and happiness in raising our children. What can we learn from this? I want to read you a quote from Brene Brown. And she writes, spirituality is recognizing and celebrating that we are all inextricably connected to each other by a power greater than all of us, and that our connection to that power and to one another is grounded in love and compassion. Practicing spirituality brings a sense of perspective, meaning, and purpose to our lives. This definition was first published in The Gifts of Imperfection. So she says, for some people, that power greater than us is God, and for others, it's fishing. Some are reminded of our inextricable connection by faith, others by expressions of shared humanity. And some find that religion is the best expression of inextricable human connection that is guided by love and compassion, and others believe that no entity has done more to corrode that connection than organized religion. So there are these intertwining definitions that we're working with today of religion and faith and spirituality. And I'd like to just tease them apart a little bit in a way that is hopefully applicable to anyone of whatever faith background. Because I could tell you my own personal history. I grew up in a Orthodox, modern Orthodox Jewish religious home. Um, and it took me until well into my 20s to tease apart the institutions of religion and the religion that I grew up with, and the experiences of spirituality and of spiritual expression and connection. And I think that spirituality can be accessed through religion, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that sometimes religion can hinder spiritual experiences and expression. I know none of these are very groundbreaking ideas, but what I want to bring to you today is the act of parenting and spirituality and how those are intertwined, at least how I'm experiencing them as intertwined and just inviting you to do the same. So let me read you a little bit about the research with regards to happiness and religion. So this is from the Pew Institution, and they say that actively religious people are more likely than their less religious peers to describe themselves as very happy. So sometimes the gaps are really striking. In the US, for example, 36% of actively religious people describe themselves as very happy, compared with 25% of the inactively religious and unaffiliated people. So more than a 10% increase in happiness for those who describe themselves as religious. And religious meaning they belong to a religious institution, they practice the religion in practice, they are strongly affiliated. 
But when you dig into this, you have to ask yourself, well, why are religious people happier? As Brene Brown said, people experience this spiritual shared humanity sometimes through religion, right? Sometimes that's the best expression of that inextricable human connection with others. And sometimes it's actually hindered by religion. Sometimes the religion makes us feel less connected and corrodes that connection the organized religion. So I think it depends so much on which religion we're talking about and on how it's expressed and how it's taught and all of the details that go into that. And a lot of my reading leads me to believe that religious people aren't happier because of the religion per se, but because of what the religion and the organized religion in particular offers them. So there are two main things that organized religion offers us that might lead us to be happier. The first is the social ties. Organized religion leads us to congregate. People go to the synagogue, the church, the mosque. They join together on a regular basis, usually at least weekly. And then in addition to that, they have their rituals and the holidays and the high holidays and the holy days where they're joining together around a joint sense of belonging and identity. Regardless of what that belonging is, regardless of what that identity is, regardless of what the religion is and the ritual, the fact that people join together strengthens their social ties, strengthens their sense of belonging, strengthens their sense of being supported and being seen and being part of something greater than themselves. Which is, if we come back to it, part of the definition of spirituality. Just the idea that we belong to something greater than ourselves, that connection of all humans, that interconnected feeling that we are not alone, we're part of something bigger than just me in my own head, in my own life. That is part of feeling spiritual. So maybe that's one of the reasons that religious people are happier is because just by virtue of the fact that they belong to a religious institution, they get to organize into congregation, into a adjoining, adjoining with others. And then maybe they sing together, pray together, put on bake sales together, whatever it is. Uh, they are together and just that togetherness can lead to greater happiness. So what can we take from this as parents who are designing lives for our little people? The other reason that I think spirit, uh, religious people might be happier is because they actively have a place and a time to pursue spiritual feelings, to experience a sense of gratitude, of awe, of being part of something that's bigger than themselves. Not just in the sense that they join with other people, but in the sense that they actually put time aside to be in spiritual activity, such as prayer. So let's look at prayer, for example. Prayer is a time, you know, everyone interprets prayer differently and it's very personal and different for everyone. But just if we paint it in broad strokes, prayer is a time where we connect to something greater than ourselves. We ask, right? We ask for something. We ask either for something physical or for clarity or for direction or for guidance or for safety, we ask either of God or of the universe or of love or of energy or even of ourselves. We put time aside to simply ask for something. If you think about that, just that act of spiritually praying, asking, um, speaking to something higher than us, 
it's a meditative act, right? It's a meditative time that lets us reflect deeply on who we are and on where we're going. Now, within organized religion, prayer is often highly um, rulified, right? There are rules, there are, it's regulated, you must pray like this, you mustn't pray like that, you have to stand here, you have to do this first, you have to use this book and not that book and these words and not those words, and it's for these people and not those people. At least in the religion that I grew up with, prayer is highly regulated. It's not something that you're necessarily given free reign over. It's not just spiritual expression, but rather highly ritualistic. Um, however, if you just kind of distill it to its purest form, the form that anyone can do, you and me just here can offer up a little prayer, it can be a really liberating and mindful and uh, meditative spiritual act that's, you know, available to anyone for free. But we don't always do it if we're not belonging to a religion. We don't always meditate. We don't always take time aside to sing or to offer thanks or to offer our gratitude and appreciation or to praise, you know, the universe, the our God, our uh, higher, you know, higher source energy. We don't devote ourselves in that way. We don't worship anymore in the most positive sense, unless we're part of some kind of organized religion, or at least we do it less. We have less likelihood because it's not so ritualistic, right? We're not meeting every single, you know, Friday or Saturday or Sunday to do this with other people and we're not held accountable. And so maybe religious people are experiencing that happiness because they have higher access to those things in a more, um, you know, more regulated way, more regular way. Now, I want to go deeper into those spiritual emotions that religious people maybe get to access more regularly and talk about how we can utilize those for our parenting. But before I do, I just want to make it so clear that what I'm talking about here is regardless of religion and theology. It's It really doesn't matter if you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, Hindi, etc., if you're atheist, if you're agnostic. It doesn't matter what your belief system is around who created the earth, why they created it, why people were created, and what happens after we die. Um, all of that can be put aside for a moment, and we can talk to the pure form of spirituality as it is applied and expressed in various religions. Because I think that you can be highly spiritual and enjoy the benefits, the health benefits, the mental benefits of spirituality. And we can offer those benefits to our children, whether we're atheist or agnostic or a person of, you know, devout faith. So my question to us today really is how can we introduce spirituality into our lives as parents and into our children's lives and reap those benefits that religious people often experience? of being happy, of being more joyful, often of living longer lives, um, whether or not we're religion. How can we gift them this gift of the happiness that comes with particular practices in an easily accessed way um, without necessarily using religion? You know, and if you're wondering on a personal level for me, I'll just disclaim that I grew up in this environment and I still enjoy many of the ritual aspects of being affiliated as Jewish. And I really, really appreciate so very much of the wisdom and teaching. And I very much connect with my quote unquote tribe. And I connect over the ritual aspects and over the 
calendar and over the wisdom and over so much of the values. I mean, I think so much of the values I grew up on, I still hold true and I want very much to impart to my children. I don't actually connect over the theism. I consider myself pretty much atheist, but um, even though I don't believe in the theism of it all, I don't believe in the truth with a capital T of it all. Historically, I don't think it's necessarily accurate. I don't think um, a lot of the things that I was taught would happen if I did the things that they thought that I would do. You know, a lot of it I've rejected. A lot of it I've rejected. At least this is a, a snapshot of where I am today. And I really consider myself atheist in that sense. Because I don't believe in a God in the sky who judges and uh, who punishes, etc. However, I'm very spiritual and very ritualistic, and I enjoy so many of the benefits of Judaism and of religion at large. I enjoy the benefits of congregating and of gathering and of repetitive rituals and of Sabbath, for example. I keep what is called Shabbat, uh, which is you know, switching off all devices on the weekend, having rituals around, uh, you know, blessing the day and eating special foods and resting and staying home and quality family time. And all of those things are things that I do adopt. So uh, in contrast to what I was brought up on, I definitely pick and choose what I take from religion and what I leave. I definitely pick and choose. And I feel like licensed to do that because I don't have that belief system that this is all God given and, and the word of God. So that's just a disclaimer and to give you a little bit of background of where I'm personally coming from on this. But, um, but what I really want to go into today is something that I hope will be helpful for you, regardless of where you stand, regardless of whether you do worship, uh, you know, a God or many gods or what religion you belong to. Or maybe, you know, if you also feel atheist in your belief system, but you're interested in still cherry picking those aspects of religion that are actually really healthy for us. So to do that, I have three G's that I want to share with you. Three G's that I just kind of stumbled upon in researching for this podcast that I thought were really profound and really helpful in introducing spirituality into our lives and into our parenting lives. And the main thing that I want you to take away from this episode is something I haven't even touched on yet, but I'm about to say. The main thing I want you to take away is this. Parenting itself is an act of spirituality. Through every single aspect of parenting, you can access spirituality. And I will break down for you what that means in the third G. I'll explain what I mean by spirituality. But I want to first introduce you to the first two Gs, which are practices you can actually put into place, practical practices, in order to increase a sense of spirituality and spiritual connection in your home. The first one is gratitude. Not new news. This is not, you know, not something you haven't heard before. But gratitude is a path to spiritual feelings, spiritual feelings of appreciation, giving thanks, giving thanks to something larger than us, the universe, God, divine source, divine energy, love, giving thanks to nature itself, to mother nature, to life, giving thanks for everything we've got. When we sit in a place of gratitude, when we help our children to develop an attitude of gratitude, we move in the world on a higher spiritual vibration. We move in the world and respond to, you know, activities and behaviors and circumstance and perspectives and life itself from a place that is a high spiritual vibration, from a place that is 
really grounded and grateful, of course, because we're talking about gratitude, repetition of Vital, that is repetitive, not a good sentence, sorry, I'll restructure that. But we, uh, our attitude towards life itself is built on resiliency, on a higher perspective, we take things in proportion and we experience deep levels of appreciation and acknowledgement for all that we've been given and we don't take things for granted there's another G, right? We give people the benefit of the doubt. We act in a charitable way. We assume the best of people and circumstances when we're operating from a place of gratitude. And so I've said this before, and I have a video on this topic on how to develop more gratitude with our children, but I think continuously honing that gratitude skill, uh, building that gratitude muscle, always looking at the silver lining, always wearing the rose-tinted glasses, always seeing the upside, the glass half full, these are the things that help us operate from a place of gratitude and help us to uh, heighten our spiritual vibration in the world and with our children. And the same goes for how we view our children themselves, viewing them with an attitude of gratitude, seeing the good in them, seeing the good in our circumstance, seeing that they are not, you know, trying to hurt us or trying to undermine us or trying to annoy us or trying to be difficult. But when they are giving us a hard time, it is because they are having a hard time. All of these things can be rooted in that attitude of gratitude and looking for the positive, in appreciating the positive and in focusing our attention, unrelentingly focusing our attention on the things that we have versus the things that we don't. That's the first step into bringing spirituality into our parenting and into our lives with our children. The second step is giving. Giving is always going to be a great path to a higher spiritual vibration, to feeling that wonderful feeling that you feel when maybe for you it's when everyone raises their voice in song in church, or maybe for you it's when you see an incredible sunset and you're just overcome with a sense of awe, or maybe for you it's when everyone gathers together in a funeral and comforts each other. There is a sense, a spiritual emotion, and we'll talk about that soon, that happens in these heightened moments in our lives that we want to try to introduce as much as possible, to live there as much as possible. And that's what I mean by heightening our spiritual vibration to get into that higher place where we have a broader perspective, where we have more space in our hearts, where we have more patience, where we have more grace and we can give more grace. So gratitude is the first pathway to that. Giving is a second pathway that I've discovered. When we give time, when we give attention, when we give kindness, when we give a smile, when we give money, when we give our things or our attention or our wisdom or our energy, then we feel connected to others. That connection with others, that sense of belonging, that sense of meaning, that is a gateway to spirituality as well that heightens our spiritual vibration. And think about all of the opportunities you have to give with your children. I mean, 24-7, giving them attention, giving them food, giving them care, giving them your focus, giving them your time, giving them from your body, from your uh, money, from your home, from your space. And I think one of the biggest gifts that is hardest to give really is our attention, right? It's our our attention. Our attention is, is being pulled in a million different directions. Our phones, our to-do lists, our work, our other children, our own interests and hobbies. 
And so once a day, putting that aside and giving a few moments of our attention, but giving it from a spiritual place, giving it like you would when you give money to a homeless person and you feel that heightened sense of doing good, of being good, of offering good, of circulating and flowing that good and paying it forward. When you give charity, you feel that in your heart. That's your higher spiritual vibration speaking to you. Can we parent from that vibration sometimes? Can we give our child a banana, but giving it from that energy, feeling that energy of our, in our bodies of truly giving, giving, that giving that actually gives to us, right? That giving that actually feeds us where we're actually the recipients because we feel better through the giving. Can we give in that way? Can we build our connections in that way? That's going to be a huge way of building our spiritual practice, of experiencing spirituality as parents, giving to our children, giving with our children. Can we give our donated toys somewhere? And maybe can we even drive there ourselves and see the faces of the people who we're giving to? Can we give of our time? Can we write letters to someone who it would be meaningful to? Can we FaceTime grandma and grandpa more often and give them our attention and our giggles and our smiles? Giving with our children, maybe volunteering even in the future if the children are old enough. Can we give in ways that feel and fuel our goodness? And the third and final spiritual G that I want to offer you today, and this hopefully ties it all together, is the gateway to spirituality. The hidden gateway to spirituality. Many people think the gateway to spirituality is religion, and it can be. Religion can be a gateway. You go to a religious service, you raise your your voice in song with others, you pray, you acknowledge that there's something larger than you, that you belong to a greater cause or a greater good or a greater circle. And that can be a gateway to religion. But another way uh, and, and our beliefs, right? Religion really encompasses our beliefs. So if I believe in God and I believe in this, you know, biblical teaching or this scripture or this holy pathway, then it can offer me a sense of spiritual, um, you know, gratification. Um, but maybe a hidden way and a way that we don't realize as much in a way that I've been practicing, you know, for, for a decade now and felt incredible spiritual growth through is our emotions. Having a sense of practice when it comes to our emotions, practicing, worshiping at the altar of emotional regulation and emotional choice and directing our focus to take us to a, an emotional place that is spiritual, is a gateway to spirituality. And I'm going to break down what I mean right here. There are certain emotions that are associated with spiritual experiences. Okay. Gratitude, awe, feeling awe. For my Americans, I would say, ah, <laughs> feeling a sense of wonder, um, feeling calm, peace, joy, contentment, um, connection with others. These are, you know, typical of a spiritual, a mature spiritual emotional expression and experience. Rather than saying my belief system is what gets me to spirituality and then we have that belief system but it doesn't have day-to-day -day applications or we don't necessarily really feel it in our body regularly or perhaps in addition to that belief system, 
we can develop spirituality through our emotional practice. So this can be in addition and complementary to your religion, or it can be a religion in and of itself, where we practice getting into an emotional state and you feel that tingling in your body, you feel that sense of contentment, you feel the interconnectedness with all beings, with all sentient beings, with all things. You feel part of something greater and larger than yourself. You feel aware and grateful for what you've got and what you've been given and gifted, and you see it all as a gift. You feel awe at the magic and wonder of life itself, of nature itself, of the universe itself. And you feel calm and content. You feel peaceful and joyful within yourself. When we put together practices that lead us to these things, when we choose what to feel, when we choose not to believe everything we think, when we choose how to respond rather than react to certain stimuli and certain provocations on the outside, we can get into a heightened spiritual state. We can be in that state even in amidst a massive tantrum or meltdown, even amidst um, the whining or the sibling rivalry. And I have not got there yet. I get triggered, I get pulled down, yanked right out of my high vibration and right back into normal human being mode. But I know it's possible and this is my practice, my friends. And I invite you from a very authentic heart space to join me there, to practice spirituality on the day-to-day level. It's something that you can learn through conscious parenting, through Dr. Shafali's wisdom teachings, through any wisdom and spirituality teachings, and through simple understandings of our emotional and feeling Uh, makeup, right? What makes us think and feel in certain ways. It can come back to the very scientific and simple CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy and psychology, where we simply understand uh, the connection between our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. When we understand that connection and we can start to manipulate it and get ourselves into those emotional states regularly through our thought processes. So thinking grateful thoughts, thinking empowering, grounding, peaceful, joyful, content thoughts, noticing and turning our attention to the things that instill awe in us and wonder in us and gratitude in us, joy, turning our attention again and again to those things and then kind of harvesting the emotions that come up really getting comfy and cushy and uh, kind of settling into those emotions, feeling them come up and enjoying them, reveling in them as one would revel in that song um, that, you know, that the choir puts on or in that sunset that we watch together or even in, as I said before, the connection that we feel with others at a tragic time, at a sad time, at a time that pulls us all together as a community. If you've had that meaningful hug with someone who's grieving and mourning, if you've had that uh, moment of silence where you simply acknowledge that you have been through something with someone else and it's beyond words, if you've had that time where you've seen something in nature that's simply taken your breath away, I want you to kind of grab those emotions and, you know, embellish them, embellish Embellish them with the signature of that feeling and kind of emboss that 
onto your own heart, into your own body, right? What I mean is capture it, bottle it up, um, make it a template that you can repeat. And the way I want to invite you to repeat that is in the act of parenting. When you tuck your child in at night, when you kiss them on their forehead as they're sleeping, when you nurse your baby, when you say goodbye to your child at school and you're dropping them off, when they show you a drawing that they've drawn and they're proud of it, when they come down after an intense tantrum and they calm down and they're able to give you a hug, when they apologize for the first time of their own accord because they're truly sorry, when they use their fork to twirl the spaghetti in their plate. When they grab a washcloth to help you cleaning up the spilt water that they purposely threw on the floor. When they take a deep breath for the first time to calm themselves down. When they do something that they're not proud of, but they are able to come back from it and try again. When they try something for the first time, even though they're scared. All of those moment-to-moment, day-by-day parenting experiences are spiritual opportunities to experience awe and joy and contentment, gratitude, grace, fascination, all of those high-vibe spiritual experiences. You don't have to get to the meditation pillow. You don't have to get to the mosque. You don't have to go to the silent retreat in an ashram. You can access that high-vibe experience moment by moment with your child as your guide and as your partner and as your mirror to your own spiritual experience. When you can calm yourself down and get into that vibration, you actually kind of build this aura around you and it's magnetic and the people around you feel that and are drawn to that and it affects them. It infects them. It's contagious. Can we introduce that dimension into our parenting with our children? Can we offer our children this gateway? Can we guide them to it as well? When we go on a hike with them, can we point out that we're feeling those feelings? Can we point out that we're noticing that they're feeling them? Not in a manipulative way, not like pointing it out and noticing it and, you know, judging them and evaluating them and labeling them, but simply acknowledging that this is part of our experience as a family, that when we sit together as a family for dinner, we feel so grateful. Or when we can manage to figure out a big conflict, then we feel awe at at ourselves, at life itself. And when we look into our child's eyes, we don't need to necessarily tell them how beautiful they are and how pretty they are, but rather just how beautiful it is that they're there and how beautiful it feels to be with them and how much we enjoy them and how much we love them. Just that feeling of love, love in our family. I think that can be the expression of shared humanity that Brene Brown talks about so beautifully, right? Practicing spirituality brings a sense of perspective, of meaning, and of purpose to our lives. Brene Brown writes. And for some people, that's through God, through faith, and for others, perhaps it can be through parenting itself. Now, I just want to draw your attention to the fact that this week we are talking about one aspect of all of this, and that is the adult tantrums that we all have. When we lose our cool, when we're low vibes, when we're not spiritual, when we can't get into that high vibe, calm, content space, we have an adult tantrum. I have them all the time. We melt down, we scream, we yell, we say things we're ashamed of, we do things we're ashamed of. We're not in our right minds. We all have meltdowns and it's hard. 
So if you want to see a video of me melting down and the time I almost died in a car crash due to some road rage, I'm going to be telling that story in this week's video and I would love to direct your attention there. It's on the blog post over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash blog this week and on YouTube. But I really want to add one more thing there and how in that video, I'm going to share how we come down from the adult tantrum, what we can do when that begins to happen and how we can course correct. But I want to add that when we come back to this high vibe spirituality, when we get back to a place of awe and contentment, compassion and gratitude and a lot of grace, then it's a place where we get to kind of cleanse and cleanse. How do you say it? Cleanse or cleanse? I never know. I think it's cleanse. Cleanse our negative feelings, right? We get to cleanse our negative experiences. We get to let go of them because another aspect of spiritual practice is forgiveness, acceptance, surrender, compassion, right? This is all spiritual stuff. And so if we've had a hard time, then that's exactly the time to get back on our spiritual high horse and to forgive ourselves, to practice self-compassion, self-forgiveness, self-awe. Like, wow, you're a human being and look at everything that you're accomplishing. So I hope that you enjoy this week's video and I would love to hear your thoughts on spirituality. Do you have faith? Are you atheist? Do you still experience the world through a spiritual lens? And if so, please let me know over on Instagram, in the DMs or on the comments of today's Instagram post. So much love to you and namaste. Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.